Are you ready? Yeah, let's do this. Hey guys, I'm Jen. And I'm Amanda. And And you're you're listening listening to Fathomless. Welcome back. Welcome back to Fathomless. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm currently being stared down by my cat Zoe because yeah. it's 11 p.m. and it is past our bedtime. And she's like, Mom, she's what the fuck? Pissed. <laughs> she's also pissed at me because of the dog. And yeah, Kaylee's pissed at me because we got a dog, but. You brought this new brother home that I didn't want, and you're making me stay up late. He smells like shit. <laughs> And now you're going to bed at midnight? <laughs> hey, we needed to do some late night fathomless recording. Yeah, Amanda came to my house and then we, I don't even know what we did. We went out and we got food and coffee and came back and finished typing up our scripts. And we got to yeah. it like an hour ago. <laughs> we're doing like a long haul. We're doing like, what, like four episodes this weekend? I think we're doing recording two tonight and i think we're gonna record three tomorrow yeah or three two, tomorrow two or three three because i got two and you got one yeah amanda had a had a surprise third one i do so and it's because i just it it's i said it in the last episode it's deborah sampson i fucking know all about her life and have for years so i'm just genuinely excited to talk about her yeah. uh not as excited to talk about um <laughs> what, what i have to talk about today but yeah we're just we're gonna, gonna hop right in it. it because we gave you like 20 minutes of of banter the last time yeah. so yeah sorry guys but we love that you episode was banter sorry but um i feel like we were talking earlier may was a very hectic month yes i feel like we're finally getting back on yeah our getting back into the swing of social things media. i'm not a very big social media poster i mean it kind of more so handles that i i try to help but i'm awful at posting things on social media and my personal life as well um, yeah. it's much more better at that. Um, but we're we're getting back into our normal swing yeah. of things. Getting Not back really into the regular anything. schedule. Yep. So we're gonna make sure that we record enough episodes at a time so we have on every week and the wedding's yeah. over and the madness is over. So we're gonna be dropping some surprise episodes here and there, or little extras. We little... have something planned for our one year anniversary. Yeah, working on some big things. So listen, guys, I know a lot of people get turned off if the first couple episodes of a podcast are hard to listen to. Yeah. So I feel like our our first half of our episodes are kind of hard to listen to. I get it. The, the audio sucks. The static sucks. But yeah. we've improved our game, I think. I, I think we're doing better. I think we're doing great. And um, I think everyone just kind of needs to spread the word to their friends and share and let people know share share and share. just say, also rate definitely rate us on spotify rate us on apple whatever platform you're listening to us on if you give us a five-star rating it helps us if you listen through those ads that we record and don't skip through them it gives us like a whole nickel for every person yeah pretty much so, <laughs> like, we gotta record a new ad tomorrow too. we do um yeah, so just spread the word. Just tell people, hey, you know, listen like halfway through because there yeah. are you know, a little uh, 
at the beginning, yeah, but like, like go back once I you feel like get every, used to it. And every podcast sounds like they're recording underwater for their first like ten episodes, yeah. and then they get into the swing of things. Yeah, and... unless they're like one of those uh, yeah, podcasts like, that are like sponsored yeah. by like a radio like immediately station. coming yeah. up with Amazon. Like, yeah, no, we're doing this on our own. Yeah. So yeah, like, share, tell people because we want people to know and yeah. listen. <laughs> All of that. Yeah. And without further ado, we're just going to, yeah, we're going to get into it. So today we're going to talk about Matthew Shepard. So uh, some people may know this case already because it is one of the more, I hate to say this, well-known cases. Came up a lot when I was trying to find a case to do. Yeah. Yeah. He comes up a lot. Um, it It was a case that really touched a lot of people, like more than it had before um so i will mention this at the end of the episode too and i'll add it into our show notes and like post it on our instagram and everything but since matthew's death his family has been erasing hate in his honor through an organization called the matthew shepherd foundation and their website is www.matthewshepherd and his last name is spelled s-h-e-p-a-r-d dot org so that's www.matthewshepherd.org you can donate you can just look at what they do you know they have links to other sites that also help lgbtq lgbtq plus communities so it's it's just you know something to look into um this is hey it's a wicked sad case and a lot to go over to um a lot to go over uh all the usual trigger warnings. I don't even think I have to say it. Um, everything. Assault. Everything. 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 Okay. Sexual assault, physical assault, literally everything. Yes. Yeah, skip this episode if you're like. Yeah. Not um, we're gonna also going to talk about a, another case very briefly at the end of this that ends up tying into this one that I will be doing a full episode on. I'm already researching it. Um, so everyone take a big fucking breath. A collective breath. All right. Girls, Haley, Zoe, breathe. Everyone ready? I know we got Jen's cats with us. <laughs> so Matthew Wayne Shepard was born on December 1st, uh, 1976, making him a Sagittarius. Woot woot. And he was born in Casper, Wyoming, which is nicknamed the Oil City. And is known for having a long history as a oil boom town and having a super big cowboy culture. Uh, so also overall, Wyoming is just a stunningly beautiful state. Absolutely beautiful. Like their nature. Like I don't know if you've ever like looked up like photographs of Wyoming. Nope. It is. Sorry, I'm shaking my head. I forget I need to talk. <laughs> very, very breathtakingly beautiful wilderness. Yeah, I a bet. place I definitely want to visit. Uh, their state slogan is also live and let live. Oh, wait, I'm so sorry. I don't know why. I know you said Wyoming, but I was thinking of Wisconsin. Uh, it's okay. Yes, I I have seen pictures of Wyoming. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Yes. Beautiful. The, the national parks, right? Yeah. They, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. Wisconsin, no. That's that's that 70s show. I don't know why. When you were like, you've seen pictures of Wisconsin. It's beautiful. I'm like, or Wyoming. I'm like, in your head, I said Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Wisconsin. It's okay. 
I'm sorry to anyone who lives in Wisconsin. I don't think we have any Wisconsin listeners. I'm not sure. I heard they got great cheese. Wisconsin. Yeah. They got a good cheese. I don't think they say it like Wisconsin, though. I think they got like a... I don't know where that's from. I think they got a like a Midwestern accent. Like a, don't you know? That was really <laughs> bad. I'm sorry, guys. That was so? wicked bad. <laughs> Like almost like Swedish like Minis- kind of Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, I think I think my Swede got in there. I'm <laughs> sorry, guys. Okay, sorry. Can't Go do can't, can't do that. All right, well we'll mark that off the list anyway. So um, Casper is also actually the second largest city in the state. The largest is the capital Cheyenne. Uh, in 2020, the U.S. Census said the population of Casper was a little over 50,000 residents. In the 1990s, when our case takes place, it wasn't much different. It was around about like 20 to 30,000. So, like about half, a little less than half of what it is. Uh, Matthew was the eldest of two boys, and his parents, Judy and Dennis, were just very much involved, loving parents. They had a very close family. And he was also very close with his younger brother, Logan, who was only a few years younger than him. Uh, as a child, Matthew was, was described as being kind of shy, but still extremely friendly with all his classmates. He was a incredibly sensitive and caring child, even from a very young age. It was actually uh, said by his mother, Judy, that at one point in time when he was a young boy, he would uh, write a poem to everybody in his neighborhood and leave them in their mailbox, which is like, the most wholesome shit I've ever yeah. heard of, which is so sweet. And then um, at one point, uh, he had a uh, a family friend who was a postal worker who said that, you know, it's you shouldn't, like, be opening people's mailboxes because you could get in trouble or, like, putting mail in there. So he started putting cool rocks that he found in there instead of putting mail in there, which I don't know why they told them that you can't put mail in the mailbox because, like, you can drop a letter in somebody's mailbox, I thought, like. Yeah, I think that's a right? big deal. But I don't like, think there's a lot. That maybe says only maybe the they thought man. he was like being a, like maybe because he was a young kid and they were like, oh, like you know, don't go messing around with people's mail. But I thought it was cute that he also like found went and found cool rocks and put them in yeah. mailboxes because that's like such a kid that's thing something I would do. probably do. Found a cool rock, and I just love that. Um, his mother also said that Matt uh, dressed up as Dolly Parton for several Halloweens, <laughs> which I fucking love that because i like i'm not like a country gal like i don't like country music but i am a huge like dolly parton fan yeah love her she's just like she's america's sweetheart pretty much she really is we don't deserve her no we don't deserve her she's fucking awesome uh so anyway that's you know it's my love for dolly parton but i i thought that was just wicked cute that like he dressed up as dolly for like a couple halloweens my uh, chronic Halloween costume as a child was a witch. I was just gonna say, mine was a witch. Yeah. Yep. Not surprising. <laughs> I, literally, like as adults, I look back on it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, girl, yeah. you knew. Makes sense. <laughs> uh, you knew so, things. <laughs> uh, Matt was described by his father as a optimistic and accepting young man who had a special gift for relating to almost everyone. He was a type of person who was very approachable and always looked at, you know, just kind of always looked at new challenges as a, a something fun and exciting. He was never, like, upset. He never, you know, let anything kind of get, get him down or upset him. He was always positive, which I think is great. 
He also had a great passion for equality and was always, you know, standing up for accepting people's differences, you know, standing up for like the little guy. Um, Unfortunately, when he got to middle school and high school, Matt was actually teased a lot for his lack of athleticism as well as his small stature and just overall small appearance. He was five foot two and about same, like about 110 pounds. Not same. Um, so ve- very petite, yeah, very guy. petite guy, which is like, all if you look at pictures of him, he's like adorable. Oh, I forgot adorable. to show you a picture of Charlie Howard. I'll show you one he, of those. Just so cute. Just like the cutest little, like, I just want to like put him in your pocket. Yeah. I just want to squeeze him. That's how I feel about Libras. Just, just want to put him in my pocket. Thanks. Thank you. I'm a Libra. Uh, he also had braces too and wore them up until he was a, uh, in his twenties. So all of that made him look much younger than his age, too. And it just, it led to him being teased very often. Uh, when Matt was just finishing his sophomore year, he actually uh, got a chance to leave Casper. His father got a new job with an oil company, and the family moved from Wyoming to Saudi Arabia. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Uh, big move. But I, and at first I was kind of surprised, but I guess it makes sense because Wyoming is a big oil town and Saudi Arabia is also a big oil country. Mm-hmm. So he ended up moving to a company that was kind of down there. Uh, while his father worked in Saudi Arabia, Matt actually ended up attending the American school in Switzerland, which was a boarding, a co-ed boarding school. And there he studied theater, Italian, German, and also enjoyed music, art, and fashion classes. All right. Get uh, it. Right? He made a ton of friends. And he really, uh, at that point, still wasn't super, wasn't super kind of, he didn't really know what his sexuality was at that point. He was still trying to kind of figure himself out. Um, and he hadn't really kind of come out to anyone or kind of, talk to anyone about it except for like a few close friends but his family especially his mother said that she kind of always had a feeling and she just was simply waiting for matt to to find himself and be ready to talk to her about it but she was always ready she knew that you know it was gonna happen and that she was ready and you know she was gonna love him no matter what which they were like the fucking sweetest people and this was like what the nineties. Nineties, okay. yeah, yeah, because it was uh, nineteen uh, ninety eight when he passes. Um, so this was like eighties, nineties, because he was born nineteen seventy six. Yes, okay. So through the eighties into the nineties. Uh, but like I said, while at school in uh, Switzerland, he made some wonderful friends, including one uh, Michelle Josue. I'm hoping I'm saying her last name wrong. Wrong. <laughs> Right? I hope I'm saying her last name <laughs> Jesus wrong. Jesus Christ, guys. Sorry. Um, who went on to make a amazing documentary called Matt Shepard is a Friend of Mine. Uh, go watch it if you want to sob for an hour and a half. Um, it is, it's basically all interviews of Matt's family, friends, teachers, everyone in his life. Just trying to kind of shine a more positive light on Matt. Because we'll see later on in this case that while his case gets highly publicized in the media, it also brings a lot of a lot of not so great public public uh you know Attention. publicity. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. 
anyway. It's almost midnight. Well, it's 11 p.m. <laughs> I don't. I'm not, also, I was at a child's apo- birthday party yeah, earlier today. For I'm any, like yeah. running on barely any sleep. But uh, but yeah, so he uh, really just uh, at school kind of blossomed much more in boarding school than he was in public school in the U.S. Uh, he definitely was a lot more like outgoing and just really had a friendly demeanor. He was liked by all. He also began showing an interest in politics. Matt had always been kind of the person who believed that all humans are equal. Like his father had said, you know, he was very much into equality and just sticking up for the little man. And Matt had also seen firsthand how women, people of different races, religions, and people of the LGBTQ community were treated in the Middle East as well as the U.S. in, you know, the 80s and 90s. And he knew that he wanted to make a difference. And unfortunately, during his senior year, oh, God, hold on, my notes just totally went haywire on me but unfortunately during his senior year he uh he dealt with a kind of really bad tragedy he went to morocco with a group of friends on a trip and on this trip they were it was like kind of like i guess like maybe like a little senior trip but it was um before the school year ended and this was in 1995 just before he graduated But while they were in Morocco, Matt actually went out on his own for a night just to kind of go hang out and like see the culture, see what was going on. And um, we're going to talk about rape right now. Um, So just trigger warning for that. While in Morocco, um, when he went off on his own, Matt was approached by a group of six local men uh, who dragged him into an alley and then robbed him and gang raped him. In Morocco? In Morocco. Um, this attack really broke Matt as a person and changed him significantly. Yeah. He became much more reclusive and withdrawn. Uh, he would have severe panic attacks where he would also go through very severe, very low lows, uh, where he would just sequester himself off from all of his friends and family and would just kind of hide and just would not, you know wouldn't be around anybody, he wouldn't eat, he wouldn't take care of himself. Uh, he did return to America for a little bit before graduation, um, but then went back and did graduate from the uh, American school in Switzerland. Uh, though right after he graduated, he went straight back to America to attend college. Um, he went to North Carolina, actually, and briefly studied theater for a semester before moving to Denver, and then transferred to the University of Wyoming in Laramie, uh, which is where our story will stay pretty much for the rest of this. Um, So like I said, Matt was really struggling with his mental health, um, but at this time, he still found the courage to come out to his mother and uh, tell tell her that he was gay. And like I said before, Judy had stated that she already had a feeling and was ready and she just simply told Matt that she loved him and that this didn't change anything. And while he was at the University of Wyoming, he majored in political science as well as a minor in languages. And he was also uh, at one point appointed the student representative for the Environmental Council. Um, All of Matt's teachers uh, in all of the interviews in Matt Shepard is a friend of mine, as well as the interviews in The Laramie Project, which is another, uh, a play in a movie that I'll talk about later, um, 
said that they believed that Matt would have gone on to be a very prominent human rights activist if he had lived. lived. Yeah. Which the fact that this young man was ripped away from us just makes me so angry because he could have made a big difference in the world. Um, and I know he did make a big difference in the world in a way that I, he obviously didn't expect to happen, but it shouldn't have happened like that. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's, it happens a lot. I know. Uh, but Mac quickly also became involved in the university's LGBTQ Student Alliance group, which at that time was just the LGB Students Alliance, Student Alliance group. Uh, where he made some wonderful friends uh, and really just it was kind of his moment to kind of reclaim himself. He started kind of coming out of his shell again and was starting to trust people a little bit more. He seemed to have, in Laramie, he seemed to kind of have found like a, a small group of people that he really felt like he could be comfortable with. And that was the first time in months that his family had seen him like seen the old Matt coming back which is just fucking shitty because a few months after Matt arrived in Laramie he was viciously attacked again I, I feel like that was like that uh, happened in my case too um yeah they moved to a city and, and like in within, within months. months yeah yeah it was just a few months uh so on the night of October 6th uh, October 6th October 5th. Revenge of the Sith. That's my lisp coming out. Sorry, I'm, guys. Only, I'm only letting it slide because <laughs> it's this late. Uh, on October 6th, 1998, local scumbags Aaron McKinney and Russell Henderson entered the Fireside Lounge, which is a pub in Laramie. Uh, the two men went up to the bar and demanded a pitcher of the cheapest beer from the bartender and then paid for this in nickels and dimes. It was also a Tuesday night. Both these men were in their 20s, and they were just trying to get fucked up for the night because yeah. what else are you going to do on a Tuesday night? What else? Uh, however, they were completely broke because they were fucking losers, and both were high school dropouts <laughs> and just worked for a local roofing company but barely showed up for their jobs. So, you know, that's, probably that's why they're there at the bar paying for a pitcher of beer and nickels and dimes. Uh, they brought that pitcher of beer back to the pool table area and just kind of kept to themselves for most of the night. Uh, but at one point in the evening, McKinney and Henderson noticed Matt, who was sitting alone drinking a Heineken at the bar. Matt had actually just left one of the first meetings of the LGBTQ Student Alliance meeting or Student Alliance group at camp on campus. And he had actually called one of his friends from a payphone and said that he had just come back from that meeting and it was great and he was wicked excited and that he just, things were going good and that he was really happy. Um, I also want to mention that pretty much everything going on from this point that we have, like everything that I'm talking about, is based off of McKinney and Henderson's confessions as well as a couple witnesses, like the bartender and the, just a police investigation. Um, and a couple other people who were at the bar, but it's mostly, mostly those gentlemen. So um, no one really heard what happened or why they started speaking to Matt, 
But at some point, the two men approached Matt at the bar and then had also, according to uh, McKinney and Henderson, had gone into the restroom to hatch a plan to rob Matt. They noticed that he was really well-dressed, uh, that he was very kind of clean-cut. And Laramie is a more diver- diverse town for Wyoming as it was a college town, but it's also fucking Wyoming. There's there's more protected yaks land people. and yaks than people, yeah. Um, and it's also 1998, so, you know, it's still, you know, people are still... You know, you know, ignorant, you know, we'll just say ignorant because that's what it is. Uh, But both McKinney and Henderson stated that they noticed Matt and noticed how he looked and that he was drinking an imported imported beer, which was better than the garbage that they were drinking. So So, he must have money. So not only that, but obviously he must be gay. Because he's dressed nice. Oh, Uh, yeah. And that means they also noticed that Matt was very small in stature compared to the both of them who stood around about, you know, between like, you know, five, eight and six foot somewhere. Like, I can't remember which one was which, but I don't really care because they suck. But they were not like Matt, who was five, two and like 110 pounds. They were much bigger than him. Um, So like I said, after spotting him, they went into the restroom to devise a plan to kind of get Matt alone and rob him. When the men exited the restroom, they approached Matt and, uh, Henderson actually admitted to police that they began talking to Matt in a effeminate tone in an attempt to convince Matt that they themselves were also gay. And they convinced Matt to, you know, have a drink with them. Uh, Matt, who was just happy to have some friendly conversation, seemed delighted to talk to the two people. Um, In the early hours of October 7th, so this is like after midnight, um, McKinney and Henderson managed to lure Matthew out of the pub under the false pretense that they would be giving Matt a ride home. In reality, at least according to Henderson, the pair intended to rob Matt and then ransack his apartment. Um, At some point during the ride, McKinney, who was in the back of the truck with Matt, said to him, this is a fucking robbery, and began to pistol whip him with a 357 Smith & Weston. So he, poor guy, just thought friendly conversation. Yeah, and then he was just going to get a ride back. And then he was going to, yeah, just go back to his apartment. And no, I will. uh, So later in uh, interviews, uh, McKinney says that the reason why he did this was because Matt put his hand on his knee. And that you came on to him. Yeah. Making him think you were also a gay man. Exactly. And honestly, I don't even think Matt was not a very like he wasn't very openly gay. He was he if was comfortable with came himself. In and made but like and they seemed to have talked for a while. Yeah, and they made each other feel comfortable. But he was a very Maybe. shy guy. I don't know if he would. A touch on the legs is pretty innocent. So yeah. maybe. Had and even if he did, that's still no to reason it. to do what no, they did a, to him. Not at all. That's it's like that's what I'm saying. It's like you came off to him as a gay man and he just touched exactly. your leg and you're gonna flip out and use that as an excuse. Yeah. Uh so this is where things get I really, bet this guy looked like a foot too. He oh, they both they both do. 
They both do. It's always the men that look like feet and like pubes for brains yeah. that are like, oh, he came on to me. Yeah. I'm like, bro. No Literally one of them either. has like the eyes of Doodle Bob. It's gross. But yeah, this is where it's going to get real rough. So everyone just take a deep breath. So later in interviews, both men stated that Aaron McKinney only had to hit Matt once with the pistol before he offered up his wallet and keys. Uh, Despite that, Matt uh, continued to be beat by McKinney. Uh, They then also took his shoes. Uh, While this was going on, Henderson drove to a remote rural area just outside of Laramie. Uh, McKinney and Henderson then dragged Matt from the truck. There was evidence found at the scene that Matt did try to fight and hold on for dear life and stay inside of the truck. There was actually um, scratch marks found in the carpet in the truck as well as fragments of the carpet found at the scene where Matt was found. Um, Once the men got Matt outside of the truck, Henderson then tied him to a uh, a wooden barbed wire fence and they continued to pistol whip him about his face and head to the point that they fractured his skull. Um, during interviews with police, both men said that Matt was begging for his life the entire time that he was being attacked. Uh, McKinney and Henderson then left Matt tied to the fence and fled the scene heading back towards town. Wait, I just remembered a detail from this case, and I know you're going to repeat it. Go on. I'm sorry. It's okay. I Go on. Um, so once back in town, these assholes didn't stop. They quickly returned home to brag to their girlfriends about how they had just killed the guy. Um, according to police, the interviews, they actually made several hateful remarks, including... Um, one that uh, Kristen Price said, which was when Erin McKinney came home, he said, I think I just killed a fag. Uh, oh, also these women uh, actually fucking helped these men create alibis. Oh, I was going to say, if my man came home and said, hey, I just killed this guy, I'd be like, I'm leaving. Cool, Bye. I'm going to kill you. I'm <laughs> going to catch an Uber and right? get the fuck out of and this I'm relationship. so fucking out of here. Um, so then McKinney and Henderson decided to go back out on the town where they actually picked a fight with two Latino men, uh, Emiliano Morales and Jeremy Herrera. Uh, both were ages 19 and 18. Uh, this fight actually resulted in serious head wounds for both McKinney and Morales, who were sent to the trauma unit in Fort Collins, Colorado, as the hospital in Laramie was not equipped to handle such injuries. Um, this alter- After this altercation, when police searched uh, McKinney's truck, they did find a pistol smeared with blood, as well as Matt's shoes and credit cards. Um, unfortunately, this discovery did not prompt police to assume that Matt was in danger. Uh, obviously, they didn't know that Matt was tied to a fence in the middle of nowhere. Um, so Matt was actually left there for 18 hours. Um, it was also extremely cold that night. I was going to say what. It was October, right? It was October, so temperatures were about 31 degrees at night in Wyoming. Um, So it wasn't until the the following, like, afternoon that Matt was found by a cyclist 
who was riding by who actually first mistook Matt for a scarecrow hanging up on the fence. It wasn't until he got a little bit closer that he realized that this was actually a human being and he rushed home to call the police. Um, I did want to state something that I also saw in several interviews that really like kind of fucked me up and made me super upset. The cyclist also stated that when he arrived at the scene, there was a, a doe curled up next to Matt sleeping with him. And when he arrived, uh, the doe actually calmly got up and walked away as if it was waiting for someone to find Matt. Jen has, yeah, Jen's like losing her shit. I got goosebumps. Um, so when police arrived on the scene, they said that Matt's face was so badly beaten and bloody that he was actually unrecognizable and had no distinct features except for two perfectly clean streaks down his cheeks where he had obviously been crying until he had that fallen was, unconscious. That was the detail that I was like, oh no, this is what I remember from yeah. this case. Um, yeah, sorry guys, this is really, this case really fucks me up. Yeah, it is fucked up. Um, so Matt was actually still alive when he was found, but uh, unconscious and barely clinging to life. Um, obviously, he had seriously traumatic injuries, so he was rushed to the hospital in Fort Collins, Colorado, and sent to the trauma unit and was actually down the hall in the trauma ward. Trauma ward from Aaron McKinney, his attacker. Uh, obviously, it didn't take police long to figure out that this was Matt Shepard and that McKinney and Henderson were responsible for the kidnapping, torture, and robbery of Matt, and both of them were arrested. When they were interviewed, both boys were incredibly disgusting, especially McKinney. Uh, he used several homophobic, homophobic slurs when referring to Matt. I don't even want to repeat no, them. No, I don't want to hear them. It's, if you want to, you can read his police interviews. Um, you can also watch The Laramie Project. Or you can watch um, Matt Shepard is a friend of mine. They have the recording in there as well. Uh, but I'm too much of a softie to. Yeah, simply just was felt like it was all deserved. Um, and like I said, when he was asked why he beat him so badly and why even after he got the money from him, because they said that they just wanted to rob him. Yeah, you got so what you, you wanted. If you got it was the money from him, then. It was a yeah. and that's why deeper uh, issue. Yeah. Um, but but Aaron did say, well, he put his hand on my knee like he was gonna go for my balls or something, and that set me off. That was like he's never made a pass on a woman. Exactly. Like that. Like I'm sorry. Does that mean that every guy that cat calls me, I have the right to like pummel? I guess. I guess so. And cool. In this guy's perspective, Sounds yeah. Good. Um, not going to do that, guys. Don't worry. Uh, however, um, during the uh, during the trial, during the trial, Did Chastity. You... <laughs> Sorry, um, I, I never, mind, never mind. <laughs> Chastity Paisley and Kristen Price, the girlfriends, the respective girlfriends of McKinney and Henderson at the time, uh, testified under oath against the men that uh, Henderson and McKinney had actually plotted beforehand to rob and beat a gay man. Uh, Kristen Price had also stated in her interviews with police that uh, McKinney had expressed to her several times his distaste for gay people and uh, basically anyone who wasn't a white man who was a cowboy. So You got very dude. descriptive at the end there, cowboy. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah, I mean, not not that I have anything against cowboys, but that seemed to be you like, can have your opinions, and you can like who you like and dislike who you dislike, but you can also leave people the fuck alone. Yeah, if exactly. you don't like somebody, then don't associate with them. Yeah, it's as simple as that. It's literally as simple as that. So while in the hospital, Matt remained in a coma. He had suffered severe brain stem damage as well as just uh, hypothermia. He was unable to keep his body temperature up, um, especially with brain stem damage. Uh, your brain stem is what controls like your your actual body temperature. So mm-hmm. that with the hypothermia um, really, really messed, messed it up. up so yeah. doctors assumed that if he even did manage to survive, he would forever be in a vegeta- vegetative state. Yeah. So police were already looking at murder charges for both men. Yeah. If your brain, like the brainstem, like I, if you're one, brain dead, that's, that's it. Yeah. Um. So around the world, not even just the U.S., around the world, news spread of this horrific attack on a 21 year old gay college student, and the nation was swept up in the grief and horror. Um. There were candlelit vigils everywhere in honor of Matt. There was actually a celebrity candlelit vigil where um. Uh, Ellen DeGeneres spoke and like several other celebrities who were like very very big back then um, all made speeches and all kinds of shit um, and Laramie was just devastated by this uh, so unfortunately Matt's parents were called in and they were with him in his last moments Um on October 12th at 12.53 a.m., surrounded by his family, Matthew Shepard took his last breath and passed away from his injuries. So, officially, both McKinney and Henderson were looking at murder charges. Um, this was a little bit after the attack, but I kind of just, you know, a lot, not not much happens between there besides like a lot of candlelight vigils and mm-hmm. interviews where the guys are just being homophobic assholes. They're just kind of, you know, consolidated at all. However, it gets much worse. Um, on October 16th, 1998, a memorial service was held at St. Mark's Episcopal Church in Casper, Wyoming. And this was a church that was in uh, Matthew's hometown. And he was actually a, a altar boy at when he was a child. Over 700 people attended this to pay their respects. However, there were some people that were not there to pay any kind of respect at all. Uh, there was an entire group of members of the Westboro Baptist Church who had traveled from Topeka, Kansas to Casper, Wyoming to protest Matt's funeral. And they were holding up signs that said, Matt burns in hell and God hates fags and things like that. Or uh, God dies, fag laughs. That's another one. That, or, or fag dies, God laughs. Sorry, mix that one up. I can be such um, like a horrible person yeah. to feel like you need to make a sign like that and then take <laughs> a trip. I'm oh, sorry. I, yes, go I, I'm not going to be able to comprehend that. So this group still goes around protesting funerals of LGBTQ victims and victims of hate crimes as well. Um, they were actually also known for protesting the funerals of the children who died in the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting. 
their funerals were protested? Yep. Why? Because God wanted them to die. That is what these people say. Because they believe that... People like that exist. Basically, the Westboro Baptist Church believes that we are living a heathenous lifestyle as Americans. We allow, you know, men to date other men and women to date other women and, you know, people to be transgender. And this is all an abomination in the eyes of God. So this is why he's punishing us with school shootings and famines and wildfires. And you shouldn't be sad about it. You should be you know, praying. Delusional. Yeah. Delusional. Um, that's what that's But yeah, so they were a part of the group of people, the unfortunately large group of people who thought that the Sandy Hook Elementary shooting was a hoax, and they protested the funerals of literal children. So. I can't even imagine their, how what their parents felt. Well, their parents got fucking death threats from fucking Alex Jones' fucking Infowars fans. That is so fucked Well, up. that's something we'll get into another day, but yeah. That was in New England, right? Yeah, it was Connecticut. Yep. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that one day. But um, thankfully, despite these uh, cunts, I'm just going to say it. That's, that's what they are. big word. That's wow. what they are. They are. Okay. Um, also, I'm very much for the, the European use of that word. Just throw it around there. Yeah, do they? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. I didn't it, know that. England, that's a big like that's like like fuck. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh but anyway. Um, but thankfully, uh, when they had come in to protest Matt's funeral, um, and they had been, you know, protesting in the town for a couple days at that point, uh, a few of Matt's friends had actually prepared for this. And with the help of the LGBTQ student alliance group at the University of Wyoming, they formed a amazing group that is still an organization today called Angel Action. And these individuals showed up in massive angel wings that they made out of PVC pipes with big white robes that were about like about like nine feet tall almost. Um, and then they came out about like three feet on either side of them. Uh, and these sheets were very good at creating a blockage so about 15 of these people showed up dressed in these angel wings and made a line blocking the protesters and their big signs and just quietly stood there in front of them blocking all of like the news cameras and everything from seeing the Westboro Baptist Church and they never spoke they never you know shouted never said anything and to this day that is what they do they will go to uh, court hearings, they will go to funerals, wherever they need to go to stop people from seeing the angry, violent protesters. And they will just stand there and peacefully protest against them. And I fucking love that. I'm actually going to post their website too. On their website, they also have a uh, PDF file that shows a diagram of how you can make your own angel wings. So if you're ever in a situation where you need to organize to help a friend or anybody, you know what to do and you can reach out to them and they'll actually assist you. Wow. Which is fucking awesome. So cool. I will link their stuff in our show notes and I'll like post it on the Facebook and everything. Um, Cause I think that they're amazing. And the fact that they're still around to this day is awesome. And this actually ended up pissing off the Westboro Baptist church so much that they ended up leaving. <laughs> so I love that. Yeah. yeah what we wanted. Bye. And, and the fact that they, they did it with just silence and just love 
is, you know, because that's what God, that's what your God probably really fucking wants, guys. Just saying. Yeah, I don't think your God wanted you to be a fucking yeah, asshole. It's not all fire and brimstone. Take your fucking Saturday, your one day off to go to a different state to protest. Why don't you like clean your house or like mow your lawn? Touch or, like, some do grass. Useful with your life. Color in a coloring book. Do something normal. Look up a new recipe. I don't know. Mind your business. Yeah. Mind your own business. Yeah. I I have been so much happier doing that. Ugh. Ugh. Good God. Yeah. But yeah, fuck the Westboro Baptist Church. Fuck They're you. still around to this day, guys. Hey, just so you know. They're still fucking listening, doing their shit. Fuck you. <laughs> they suck. You suck. Um, so after the memorial services, the entire nation was anxiously waiting to see what the trials would bring. And they really wanted to see what this would mean for the LGBTQ community. Because so many other people had died from horrific hate crimes, but nothing had really kind of shook the nation like this before. Um, and there's actually a clip from uh, the documentary Matt she- or there's actually a clip in the documentary Matt Shepard is a friend of mine, where they show a doctor from the hospital uh, that Matt was in uh, trying to make the announcement of his death on national TV, um, and he actually starts breaking down when he reads the message that uh, Judy and Dennis Shepard gave him to read to the like as as a statement. And the, the, their message was simply just hug your children tonight. And he couldn't get those words out. And it was just so sad to watch. And then later on in that documentary, um, he actually shares several pieces of hate mail that he received for simply crying over Matthew's death on live TV. Uh, one of which states um, that, uh, uh, that he's a piece of shit for weeping for a... Uh, F word. I don't want to say it anymore. I just hate saying it. So. Yeah. Um. But yeah, for weeping for Matt. Um. And that's just fucking disgusting. It really is. It's disgusting that Matt's family and friends had to deal with all of this hate while they're trying to grieve the loss of their son and their friend and yeah. their brother. Like his brother wouldn't even go out in public during all of this, and like he was still a teenager. Like, because he was younger than Matt. Yeah. So, like, Matt was 21. He was, like, like 16, 17. Like, and he couldn't even, like, go to school, probably. Yeah, like, without dealing with this. Uh, but it just, that poor fucking family. Like, I'm so happy that they were able to to turn it around. And, like, they they really, like, they handled this with such grace. And, like, when you see the way they talk in the, like, in their interviews and all of the documentaries and stuff and just, like, on, like, news channels, just, they were just, they were just such beautiful people. And the, the way that they just, they didn't deserve to lose their son, but, though, I don't know if I could have done what they did. I, I think I would have just, like, fucking crumbled into, like, a million pieces. And they, like, picked themselves up and, like, you know, made themselves so much better. But uh, anyway, let's get into our trials. So McKinney and Henderson's charges were upgraded from attempted murder to murder in the first degree, uh, which meant that the two defendants were eligible for the death penalty, which they rightfully deserved, if you ask me. Uh, their girlfriends, Kristen Pierce, um, or sorry, Kristen Price. I'm probably going to say that. It doesn't times, matter. Uh, and Chastity were uh, charged with being accessories. Um, 
I think it's the accessories alibi. to after the up uh, after the fact or something like that. Um, so at McKinney's uh, trial in November of 1998, or his pre-hearing trial, uh, Sergeant Rob Debris testified that McKinney had stated in the interview on October 9th um, that he and Henderson had just uh, intended to just rob Shepard and, uh, you know, pretty much just wanted to maybe go ransack his apartment after, but that was it. Um, and they did pretend to be gay men to lure him out to the car, but, you know, they weren't trying to kill him or anything. But they did. Go fuck yourself, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, but you did. McKinney said that, um, like he said, he said that Shepard, once they were in the truck, had uh, put his hand on him. And this enraged McKinney to the point that apparently he had to beat Matthew to the, you know, point of death. Um, one of the detectives testified that um, McKinney's girlfriend had said several times that he was very homophobic and that he would had often said that he wanted to be, you know, violent to any type of homosexual person that he could find or any, you know, person that was a different race than he was. Um, In December of 1998, Chastity pled guilty to being an accessory um, to after the fact um, first degree murder. And she, I didn't actually get to, I didn't look up how much time she got. But I know that she ended up doing some time. Uh, In 1999, Henderson's lawyers reached out to the Shepard family requesting a plea deal in order to avoid going to trial and avoid the death penalty. Um, Oh, no. Did they say yes or no? So Matt's family actually agreed to this as long as Henderson agreed to testify against McKinney. Um, Because Henderson drove the car and he did tie Matt to the fence. Um, And he did say that he hit Matt a few times, but McKinney really seemed to be the one who was, who kind of led the attack. The aggressor. Um, And Matt's family also probably didn't want to have to go through the the trouble of two trials. I was going to say, it's it's so hard on the family to go through the trials. I can understand if they want to take a plea deal, but also justice. Especially where they're already dealing with seeing their son like villainized in the media too. They just want to put it to rest. Like they don't want to, they knew that like it was, his character was going to be attacked by the defense team in the trial. And they they didn't want to go through that. Um, But they did want to get McKinney. So they agreed to a plea deal as long as he would, you know, do that. And they also said that the only way that they would agree to the plea deal is if Henderson got life in prison. Um, Thankfully, the judge did sentence Henderson to two life sentences and uh, stated that they needed to be served consecutively, ensuring that he would rot in prison forever. And he was uh, not offered the possibility of parole. Which, good. So he's still in prison? Still in prison. Uh, McKinney's trial took place in October and November of 1999. Uh, And the prosecutor alleged that... uh, McKinney and Henderson pretended to be gay in order to gain Shepard's trust, and he used Kristen Price's testimony um, pretty much to kind of totally fuck over McKinney, because um, 
obviously this dude had said several times before that he wanted to attack a gay man. So there was no way that this was just, you know, because Matt put his hand on his knee. Um, McKinney's lawyers attempted to put forward the gay panic defense, arguing that McKinney was driven to temporary insanity by alleged sexual advances by Matthew Shepard. Um, and I'm just saying, I don't think a five foot two, 110 pound man could ever like force himself upon like a, a another grown ass man. Probably not. I just don't think that Matt and Matt doesn't seem like he would have been the kind of person to do that either. Like he doesn't seem like he would have been very forward like that. I mean, I, I don't obviously we don't know, know him we don't personally, know. but from everything I saw in all the interviews and everything, he was a very sweet. They probably and just person, said that as a. They absolutely did because, in all honesty, the re- like it was probably the lawyer's idea because the yeah. gay panic defense is a legal defense tactic. It's actually still legal in several states. Um, I will be posting where you guys can write to the Massachusetts Congress to have that banned because it is actually legal to still use in the state of Massachusetts and the state of New Hampshire. Thankfully, the rest of New England has banned the gay panic defense. And so has California and a couple other states. But surprise, surprise, most of the middle of the country hasn't done anything about it, Um, which we can fix, guys. Uh, But yeah, so like I just said, for those of you who don't know, that's basically what it is. It's a legal strategy. So um, when his defense lawyer is brought this case and they say, hey, look, they attacked this gay man. He's going to try and think of what's the best way that we can win this trial and get him off for it or. Oh, yeah, they're going to take any loophole they can get the jury to, you know, find some kind of reasonable doubt. So and if it's just the three of them in the truck, who's to say it didn't happen because Matt can't say what happened. They took that away from him, which just, I, just the way they did it was just so brutal. Like, you have to be, like, some special kind of fucking evil. Monster. Absolute monster. Um, Thankfully, this defense was rejected by the judge, and McKinney's lawyer stated that the two men, uh, basically, then he just reverted back to the, oh, well, you know, They just wanted to rob him. They never intended to kill him. It just got out of hand. Um, The prosecution argued that this was clearly not the case, considering the condition that Matt's body was found in. Uh, The jury uh, found McKinney not guilty of premeditated murder, but did find him guilty of felony murder, and they did begin to deliberate on the death penalty at that point. Um, Shepard's parents were angelic, creatures who have more love in their heart than I could ever have wanted to focus on healing rather than going through another trial and listening to McKinney attempt to because with the uh, with the second trial since it was a new trial for the death penalty he would have been allowed to use that gay panic defense again um so they didn't want to go through that again um so they actually uh, offered a plea deal and were going to take the death penalty off the table if McKinney would serve life sentences without the possibility of parole. Mm-hmm. 
to like kind of the other guy situation. Yes. Um, however, they did not do that without allowing Matt's father, Dennis, to deliver a incredibly heartbreaking statement to the courtroom. And I do have some expert excerpts from it here. Okay. So I want everyone to take a deep breath because we gotta Yeah, you're gonna need it. <laughs> so I'm gonna do my best to not <laughs> fucking cry while I'm doing this. Uh here goes. Matt officially died at twelve fifty three AM on Monday, October twelfth, in nineteen ninety eight, in a hospital in Fort Collins, Colorado. He actually died on the outskirts of Laramie, tied to a fence that Wednesday before, when you killed him, when you beat him. You, Mr. McKinney, with your friend, Mr. Henderson, killed my son. By the end of the beating, his body was just trying to survive. You left him out there by himself, but he wasn't alone. There were his lifelong friends with him, friends that he had grown up with. You're probably wondering who these friends were. First, he had the beautiful night sky with the same stars and moon that we used to look up at through a telescope. Then he had the daylight and the sun to shine on him one more time, one more cool, wonderful autumn day in Wyoming, his last day alive in Wyoming. His last day alive in the state where he always proudly called home. And through it all, he was breathing in for the last time the smell of the Wyoming sagebrush and the scent of the fresh pine trees from the snowy range. He heard the wind, the ever-present Wyoming wind, for the last time. He had one more friend with him, one he grew to, knew, grew to know through his time in Sunday school as, and as an acolyte in the St. Mark's in Casper, as well as through his visits to St. Matthew's in Laramie. He had God. I feel better knowing that he wasn't alone. Dennis Shepard went on to explain what an incredibly kind human being the Matt was and ended his powerful statement by directly speaking to Aaron McKinney again and said, I would like nothing better than to see you die, Mr. McKinney. However, this is the time to begin the healing process, to show mercy for someone who refused to show any mercy, to use this as a first step in my own closure about using Matt Mr. McKinney, I am not doing this because of your family or you. I am definitely not doing this because of the crass and unwarranted pressures put on by the religious community. If anything, that has hardened my resolve to see you die, Mr. McKinney. But I'm going to grant you life, as hard as that is for me to do, just because of Matthew. Every time you celebrate Christmas, a birthday, or Fourth of July, remember that Matthew isn't. Every time that you wake up in a prison cell, remember that you had the opportunity and the ability to stop your actions that night. Every time that you see your cellmate, remember that you had a choice and you are now living that choice. You robbed me of something very precious and I will never forgive you for that, Mr. McKinney. But I give you life in the memory of one who no longer lives. May you have a long life and may you thank Matthew every day for it. That speech gives me fucking goosebumps every time I read it. He nailed that Fucking speech. mic drop at the end. Yeah, like, absolutely. Ugh. I was going to say the ending. I'm like, it take, uh, takes a lot for him to be able to say that. But you don't need to ever forgive anybody. 
They no. always say you have to forgive. You, you don't. Forgive, but you don't have to. You don't you, have you to can, forgive. You can, like he did, it he kind of did his own thing. It doesn't mean you have to harbor that to, hate. You can yeah. let it go. Yeah, he did something to, to move on and, and make peace with something that is different. You can't make peace with that. Yeah. But. No, you can't. You can't. You can, you know, you can go day by day, but it's never going to be okay. Uh, so, Henderson and McKitty are rotting away. Uh, they were incarcerated in the Wyoming State Penitentiary in Rollins, but they were later transferred to other prisons due to overcrowding. Um, following the test, her trust, blah, blah, blah. following her testimony at McKinney's trial, Kristen Price uh, pleaded guilty uh, to a reduced charge of a misdemeanor for interference with a police officer. Which, fuck you, dude. But whatever, I guess. She could have just left and took an Uber. Yeah. I mean, she testified against him, but like, girl, you should have, like, the minute he came home, you should have fucking been calling the police. Uh, in the years following her son's death, or, uh, Judy Shepard and also her husband, Dennis, have been huge advocates for LGBTQ plus rights, uh, particularly, uh, you know, relating to the issues of gay youth which I think is absolutely amazing. Like I said in the beginning of the episode, she is the main force behind the De um, the Matthew Shepard Foundation, which she founded with her husband, Dennis, in December of 1998. And Matt's brother, Logan, currently works for the foundation as well. Uh, so after Matt's death, people in Wyoming really pushed for more laws to be put into place uh, to give people who commit hate crimes, more stricter sentences, and just punishments and charges in general. Uh, unfortunately, getting laws passed is really not easy, especially in a Republican state. Um, however, in 2007, they did have a little bit of luck. Uh, in uh, March of 2007, the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd uh, Hate Crimes Act, or Hate Crimes Prevention Act, was introduced. Sorry, hold on, my batteries dying on my computer um so i'm sure you guys are wondering who james bird jr is because we haven't been we haven't mentioned that name yet in this case um i need you to take a deep breath <sighs> that was um, very deep <laughs> so this bill was conceived as a response to the murders of not only matthew shepherd but an african-american man named james bird jr um, they were both viciously attacked in 1998. Uh, James Bird Jr., who I will be giving a full episode on, was attacked by three white men and murdered. Uh, these men were known white supremacists. This happened in Jasper, Texas. And this is fucking horrific. Absolutely fucking horrific. I, I'm just going to tell everyone that right now. Um, so on June 7th, 1998, James, who was 49 years old, accepted a ride from Sean Berry, who was 23, Lawrence Brewer, 31, and John King, age 23. Berry, who was driving, was acquainted with Bird, just kind of knew him around town. Instead of taking James home, the three men took him to a remote county road uh, where they beat him severely, spray painted his face, urinated and defecated on him and then chained him by his ankles to their pickup truck before dragging him three miles down the road. Are you fucking me right now? No. Uh, 
they yeah um they tried to later claim that they had slashed his throat before this happened but forensics evidence suggested that bird had actually been alive the entire time that he was being dragged um he had actually been attempting to keep his head up for most of the time and uh he died when he actually uh, had his arm severed and his head partially decapitated because he hit a culvert which is a large drain pipe off the side of the road as he was being dragged that's so fucked up uh brewer and king were the first white men to ever be sentenced uh to death for killing a black man in the history of texas or the modern history of texas um thankfully texas when when this happened they actually went right to work with putting hate crimes into law against like they were very very strict about it which i was kind of surprised with because texas is a little texas is a lawless state yeah um but i was genuinely surprised to see that they do that 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 they did that uh but this bill uh was put in place for matthew shepard and james bird jr um and the it passed through the house of representatives on may 3rd 2007 uh, similar le- um, similar legislation had passed the Senate on September 27, 2007. However, the then President George W. Bush indicated that this, if this bill ever reached his desk, he would veto it. Like the piece Sounds of like- shit he is. Sounds like something he'd say. Which I'm sorry, but like... I- like and I get that like his the the literally the platform for his entire campaign was ag- against you know him being a homophobic piece of shit, but you're gonna look at the case of James Byrd Jr. and Matthew Shepard and be like yeah I don't care, we don't need to do anything about stuff like that. Like go fucking take a long walk up a short pier. Uh huh. So on October twenty second two thousand and nine. Following a 64 in favor and 35 against, uh, the bill was actually passed by the Senate. Um, and then it went to uh, the House and, again, was 68 in favor and 29 against. And then the bill was signed into law on the afternoon of October 28, 2009, by President Barack Obama. There we go. Thank God. Um, so Matthew's story still lives on through uh, his friends and family, as well as the documentary, Matt Shepard is a Friend of Mine. There is also a play called The Laramie Project. And the play is the subject of Matt's attack and his death and the media surge that cascaded down on Laramie after the attack. The play is an example of verbatim theater. If you don't know what verbatim theater is, it's actually a, uh, a like factual play based on uh, interviews conducted and they kind of just take those hundreds of interviews and make a play out of it. So this play was actually created by hundreds and hundreds of interviews that were conducted by the theater company with the inhabitants of Laramie um, and the uh, company's own members like journal entries and just news reports and everything. Um, so it's actually available on uh they they made a the play was released in 2000 and then it like was wildly successful and hbo picked it up and made a movie in 2002 and that's on hbo max right now for free if you got hbo max you can I watch it girl you have hbo max I no have, we don't have it i have a profile for you on mine you didn't tell me yeah it's the same as disney plus I don't know these things. I'm not going to say the password right now because, you know, we're recording, but <laughs> I'm, 
I you I, sure you don't want I have a profile here and everything. Your profile picture is a kitty cat. Oh my god. You gotta you gotta hook that up my TV. All right, we'll we'll hook it up after I didn't know that. We'll do it in the morning. Okay, but yeah. yeah. Um but uh the Laramie Project was an amazing movie. Uh, and it has the uh the wonderful acting styles of Christina Ricci and uh Steve Buscemi, who is uh, I don't know if you know Steve Buscemi's name, but Crazy Eyes from uh, Adam Sandler. You well, some people are bad with like actors' names. Yeah, but I'm like an Adam Sandler kid. True, very true. Sometimes I'll say like an actor's name to Sean, and he just stares at me like a deer in headlights. Oh, that's me like all the time. But like, (laughs) if you name like people from like Adam Sandler movies, I'm just like yeah, like Rob Schneider. You're like oh that guy. But uh, so yeah, is that it? That is it. That's that's pretty Thank much God. all I got. This plus my computer died, so now I'm just winging it. <laughs> um, no, that was like good research. That was I liked how you put all that together. But obviously, I'm not gonna be like, yay, because this is not. Yay! A- <laughs> it was so great. Good job. Because it was not. <laughs> no, it's really fucking sad. Um, but let's. Yeah, I, let's, this this case really bothers me. Also, the gay panic defense shouldn't be allowed. So, you know, write to your congressman, complain to your mayor, fucking call the president. Anything. Kiss a girl. Yeah. <laughs> Kiss two girls. Yeah. So um, with the closing of Pride Month, because this will come out the last Monday of June. Yes. We're going to put these depressive cases to rest. Yeah. Because I think we've had enough. Yeah, I think and we made everyone cry enough this month. Our next episodes are just going to be some nice palate cleansers. Yeah. Some good heists. And yeah, we're going to do some uh, little, little art heist. A little mail truck heist. Yeah, a little so robbery. And then we're going to do some little history with Amanda. Yep, so stay tuned. So, yeah, a little more, uh, you know, not as heartbreaking. Yeah. So, you know, we need a look. Stuff like this needs to be talked about. And. Like I said in my Brandon Tina case, especially with what we're seeing going on in our current, you know, political environment, it definitely, you know, we need to shed some light on the the communities that need help. Yeah. Yeah. That's just how I feel about that. Yeah. So it was was nice to be able to kind of use this month to kind of get some cases out there as much as I don't like to, like, hear about shit like oh this. my god it fucking um i mean ev- and honestly not that we're saying that like the other cases that we cover are like easy to cover you know oh, it's like no it's never easy Some to talk them, about like, serial killers palette, and stuff our like, palate cleanser cases yeah are... like edgar Allan poe you know stuff like that yeah but, like you know graveyards spooky graveyards those things but like these these were some rough ones. We'll do some more whimsy. I'm ready to put some... it to rest, and I'm ready to put myself to rest. I, uh, yeah, it's like uh, it's past and, midnight. Yeah, it's like almost twelve thirty. Yeah, you know we're just going nuts. Yeah, we got more recording to do in the morning. So we do. We should probably wrap it up so we can be fresh for y'all tomorrow. Fresh for you in the morning. Red-eyed and bushy-tailed Amanda will be tripping over all her words. Yep, that'll be me. Yep, I'll make sure you have some coffee. You don't worry. I got you. Good. <sighs> Well, that's it, guys. Stay spooky. Stay scary. Stay safe. Stay safe. Bye. Don't talk to strangers. Bye.